the government is the single biggest purchaser of goods and services in the world, and a lot of people don't know that. And the government is required to buy from small businesses. The biggest mistake is companies not identifying the opportunity early enough and engaging on it appropriately. Microphone check, one, two, what is this? You're now listening to a brand new episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Look what you done started. Talk to him. Attorney, high-performance coach, and speaker Cherie Prince asks hard questions to really get to the bottom of what makes entrepreneurs tick. From starting a business, marketing, strategies, and the ins and outs of their industries. We talk everything from book recommendations, lifestyle hacks, and everything possible to get you inspired and motivated to build your own business. The Play Big Faster podcast starts now. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. We are joined today in this episode by retired Lieutenant Colonel Richard C. Howard. He does something that I think is really interesting. He helps people with government contracting. Richard, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. So government contracting, this is a first for the podcast. Tell us a little bit about how you actually got into this niche. Sure. Yeah. So I spent 20 years in the Air Force and started off flying like a lot of Air Force guys do. And about halfway through my career, I ended up transitioning into acquisitions. And acquisitions is the profession within the military of putting companies on contract for the government. So, you know, when you hear about the Boeings and Lockheeds going on contract, that would be an acquisitions officer putting them on contract. What I came to find out is that's also a ton of small businesses and technology startups. And so this is what I was doing probably 2013 through 2019 is just putting companies on contract for the government, managing those programs. And one of the, I would say one of the big problem areas I found, and there's a few of them, the big one, especially with small businesses, is they didn't understand that the government actually bought what they sold because the government is the single biggest purchaser of goods and services in the world. And a lot of people don't know that. And the government is required to buy from small businesses, roughly 23% in the DOD, but other agencies also have a requirement there. Yet less than half of 1% of small businesses in this country are actually selling to the government and the numbers going down. So there's a big problem and a misunderstanding. They, didn't, they weren't aware that there was an opportunity for just about every business out there to sell to the government. And it's also a kind of confusing process because it's not the same way you or I would sell B2B or B2C. So yeah, started DOD Contract Academy when I retired and I've been helping small businesses sell to the government ever since. Wow. Let's talk about that a little bit because you actually started, as you mentioned, an online academy. How does that work? Do you come in cohorts or how do you have that set up? Yeah. So right now we've had multiple different projects and offerings for people, but the entry level to uh, selling to the government, I would say the first entry level is free. So that's just listening to our podcast, which is DOD Contract Academy, or going to the YouTube channel. If you type in DOD Contract Academy, it'll come up. So we have a lot of free training and interviews with our clients and with other successful businesses that are selling to the government. Um, And that focuses on just giving you a realistic idea of how to sell to the government. But then going to our website, dodcontract.com, the first thing that you can do if you're just interested is we have a membership where it's monthly. You have access to all of our training courses and you can go. That's everything from how to register to advanced selling techniques to the government, R&D, you know, getting investment dollars, uh, things like that, setting up meetings. And of course, from there, we have more advanced consulting services. So then and that's where really we generate most of our income is with companies that are either currently selling to the government or have successful businesses and are ready to invest in someone, either advising them every month or maybe doing a little bit of the work for them. And we have a variety of offerings there. 
What are some of the things that a business can do to prepare itself to actually start accepting these contracts? Yeah, that's a good question. And so the first thing is, I'll tell you just to get this out there, selling to the government's not a short-term easy thing to do, right? So it's the long game. So it's, you know, you got to be prepared for a good 12 to 18 months at it before you're going to be on contract. Can it happen faster than that? Yes. But that doesn't mean working every day, 40 hours a week to get that contract, but it does, it takes the government time to put you on contract. And as we go into it, you'll probably see why outside of mindset and just understanding that this is something you have to commit to having a, I would say a successful business that's already selling commercially. You have a product or service that you specialize in and having a great product or service because we're not trying to put something that's flawed in the hands of the military or government agencies. But if you have a great product or service, you're selling commercially, um, you have that income already coming in. And now I would say is a good time to start looking at selling to uh, the federal government. And one place that they can go for free, they can go to usaspending.gov. That's a free government website and it tracks spending. So all government purchasing is public. And what's great about that is you can go in there and, you know, I won't go into the details of it now, but you can fit, someone going on can figure it out pretty easily. You can go in and see how much does the government spend on what you're selling year over year, right? So accounting services, if you're an accountant, bookkeeping services, if you're doing lawn care, maintenance, the government literally buys just about everything you could think of. I would say that's the next step. Identify how much the government spends each year, how much are they spending on small businesses and take a look at some of your competitors. You can see exactly how much they're making each year. And that could be, I would say, the basis for deciding whether or not you want to move forward. So most businesses who are looking to contract with the government, are there any minimal like insurance or bonding requirements that some of these businesses need to consider prior to submitting an application? Yeah. So it varies depending on what you're doing, right? Like for instance, in construction, you're going to require a bond. So doing a $10 million construction project that you're not going to need if you're doing a $100,000 bookkeeping project or selling a software license. But you're going to have to have the same insurance that you would normally have if you start an LLC or you are incorporated um, to protect yourself. And then it's going just to be specific to the contract that you're going after with the government. So each one has its own requirements. So you just have to take a look at those as you're moving forward and make sure that you can meet those. Now, you mentioned the Academy, but you also have a podcast. What can we look forward to if we actually go and listen to your podcast? Yeah, so podcast is one of the first things we started, and it's probably the most enjoyable part of my job, which is I get to talk with successful companies that are doing this. And typically, it's small businesses, not always, but depending on what you're doing, you might find a a company that's selling a software that's similar to yours or a tech startup that got the government to invest in their idea, and they were able to build it up and then sell it. One part of it is just hearing stories of real people that are selling to the government and what steps they had to take. And the other part of it is me just ranting. (laughs) So it's, I do a lot of shorter podcasts where I'm just giving strategy and tactics because there are a lot of misnomers out there and I try to clear those up. So that's everything from how to register your business, how to get certified in different areas. Even just did one on how we took a something called a sources sought how we found a government opportunity responded to that and the next week we found ourselves on the border of ukraine talking with the army and a foreign military sales unit with one of our clients but it was just to essentially illustrate hey this is what you can expect if you're doing it correctly these are the type of things you're going to have to do you get a lot of realism and i would say real world steps that you can take as a business owner to sell to the government what are some of the mistakes that you see business owners making as they approach the application process? One of the biggest mistakes is, start with the first thing, if you're a company out there thinking about it, you need to be registered to sell to the government. 
and you register your business on a website called sam.gov. It's a government website. You don't need to hire somebody to do this for you. This is something you can do yourself. There are plenty of people that will charge you for it, but I recommend it's going to be more work to, to hire somebody than it is to do it yourself. And also on that website, that's where a lot of the solicitations come out. So what a lot of companies make the mistake of doing is seeing something called a request for proposal or request for quote. And these will come through sam.gov. And you might see a request for proposal, like let's say you offer training or leadership training or something. See that, oh, this is perfect. This is exactly what my company does. You write a proposal, which is not easy. But writing a government, a proposal for government solicitation, that is something that needs to be done very specifically. And you have to put a lot of effort into it. Um, and they don't win. And maybe they do that three or four times and they're not winning. And then they see that their competitors are winning. And it almost looks like that contract was written for them. So now they kind of go away disgruntled. They think it's rigged. They think it's it's really just a fundamental misunderstanding of how the government buys things because the government is highly regulated. So this process has been regulated since the Revolutionary War, essentially. And we have 50,000 pages of acquisitions, regulations, and policies and stuff that contracting officers have to sort through. But what I would say the takeaway is by the time a request for proposal or a request for quote comes through, the government's hands are handcuffed. They can't talk with you, the business owner, at any great length because that's basically grounds for protest. Another company could say, oh, that's an unfair advantage. When the solicitation's out, now all of the rules about fair competition and everything are in play. What you want to do is you need to identify that opportunity months before an RFP comes out. And that's called the market research phase. So when the government is legally, they can talk to businesses and owners just like yourself and your audience uh, to find out what should go into that solicitation, right? So now if you're that leadership training company, now you can tell them, hey, not only can we do the work, we're a woman-owned small business, and we recommend that you set it aside for a woman-owned small business. That's how these set-asides actually happen. You, um, The government finds companies that can do it because they're not going to set it aside unless they know a company like yours can do the work. And if you get the government to just set something aside for your type of business, you've eliminated all that competition. Big companies, any company that's not a woman-owned small business, if you're 8A or if you're service disabled, those type of things. But you can put other things in there too. Hey, our coaches, our leadership coaches have this certification. You can get the government, if you do it correctly and the government wants to or sees the benefit, you could have them add that certification as a requirement when the solicitation comes out. So now when you're writing your proposal, you have talk to that government agency ahead of time, you have a relationship, you've helped them write it because you've made all these recommendations. And now it comes out and it's a woman-owned small business set aside and it requires this leadership certification that your competitors don't have. So now you've really narrowed the playing field and made yourself a lot more likely to win. So I would say that's the biggest mistake is companies not identifying the opportunity early enough and engaging on it appropriately. If someone wanted to work with you through the process, could you work with them as an advisor along the way, or is it all done for you instead of done with you? Oh, no. M most of it is done with them uh, advising. So for us to actually do the work for them, that's almost like hiring somebody for your company, right? Um, we do that in a couple of cases, but obviously because of you know, how much work is involved there, we limit how much we do for clients. We do a lot of advising, though. Any company, any business could go to our website and schedule a consultation with a, an initial advisory session uh, for us to talk through their specific case. And then if they want to continue working with us, then at that point, we talk about different advisory packages, or if you know, we were going to include something a little bit more, we could do that too. Now, Richard, there is something really exciting happening soon, because one thing that we didn't talk about when I introduced you is that you are also an author. So tell us a little bit about that and what to expect. I would use the term author loosely, but so we do have a book coming out and it, it's a planner. It's called the Government Contract Planner. 
And what I wanted to put out there, and this will be something obviously like an initial level offering, but one of the things that companies, even companies that have been doing this for a long time struggle with, and I would say probably a lot of the, the business owners you talk to struggle with is how do you find leads, manage those leads, get them into a pipeline and really like close the door on those leads, turning a lead into a closed contract. How do you track that? And a lot of people are using CRM systems, which I highly recommend. This book is designed for government contracting. So it's a little bit of instruction and a lot of here's a place where you can, for instance, your leads for the government are taken a little bit differently than a normal business. And so those leads might happen in a conversation that you're having with a government official, it might happen at a conference, it might be something you're pulling offline, but it has a way of taking those leads. So we have a place to record information specific to those things a company may not normally be thinking about, but it's very important for government contracting. And then turning those, and this is really the crux of, I guess, if there's any takeaway for your audience, it's if you want to win contracts with the government, you're not just sitting behind a desk writing proposals. You are getting meetings. Just get meetings with the people that can buy what you sell in the government. So that's what this book's designed to do. It walks you through how to find those leads, the leads that we talked about, the ones that are going to actually work for you, how to turn those into meetings. And then it has a section for how to do that, how to turn those into meetings, and then how to record the details from each of those meetings. And it's going to walk you through things like what kind of funding does the government have? What's the timeline for their purchase? Who are the contacts? Who can actually put you on contract? Some of the things that are a little bit different in government contracting that are then commercial, I would say. And then of course, line at the end, and it talks about how to, which ones of those are going to turn into a pipeline and how do you build that pipeline? How do you decide this is the amount of money I want to make this year? And how big does your pipeline have to be in order to achieve that? My hope is that this fits a lot of people out there that wouldn't normally maybe purchase something from us, but it's something that our clients use and I use myself when I'm selling to the government and whether it's in the form of this book or I'm just writing it out myself, I think it's going to make it easy for people to go in there and put a process in place that's going to work for them. One thing you just mentioned was timeline. Are there any annual deadlines just that are consistent across industries that businesses need to be aware of? I would say that one thing is the federal government works on the federal fiscal year and that fiscal year ends in, well, I'd say it starts October 1st and it ends at the end of September. That's one thing to be aware of. So government funding typically is going to, you know, at the beginning of that fiscal year, and we could talk about this for hours, but so there's a little bit of delay sometimes when that funding comes in, and then there could be some shenanigans uh, in the government, depending on whether they want to authorize the funding for the year. But then towards the end of the year, I'm basically, I'm speaking in generalities because every agency and every office you talk to is going to be a little bit different because some contracts have, every contract has a different timeline, but in generalities, I would say if you're looking to sell to the government and you're working at it, just be aware that towards the end of the fiscal year, typically the government has something called fallout funds. And what that means is that a government agency that has a certain type of funding, that funding is going to expire at the end of September. In most government agencies, whether it's right or wrong, if they determine that they have extra funds, they are going to find a way to spend those funds because they think that they're not going to get the same amount of funding next year. So if I spend 10 million less with my office this year, my fear would be I would get 10 million less next year and I may need that money. So fallout funds starting around May, the different offices start putting a list together of their pet projects that they want to fund. And so just the end of the fiscal year, May through September is a good time to go after some of those fallout funds with different offices you're working over if, if you have something you know, special that you're trying to sell. 
That is so good. Now, you mentioned that some people use different CRMs. Do you have any tools or software that you would recommend for a business that have worked well for you? Yeah, we developed our own CRM for this. So it's it's called GovClose, and we sell that. That's something you can go to govclose.com and purchase. You can also go to dodcontract.com, and mo- typically we're selling it through dodcontract.com. But yeah, no, essentially that's a CRM that we built uh, the pipeline steps very specifically for winning government contracts. And for instance, if you're an 8A company, you might be using a strategy you know, where we're targeting 8A companies that are on contract with the government that have graduated from that program. If we're doing that, I won't get into the boring details of that, but the steps you're going to take to enable, which is a very successful way to sell to the government, by the way, but the steps for that are much, much different than if you were going after R&D contracts. So what we did is develop pipelines for each of those strategies. And I mean, there's a dozen of them. So depending on what fits your business, you can find one that has the actual steps that you need to take. So it's not just a lead and opportunity, closed, lost. It's more like you're going to have 15 steps where it's very specific. Call the TPOC, go, no, go partnership. If you're subcontracting, there's a lot of different steps. Um, Yeah, we use it. Our clients use it. We find it to be really helpful. Awesome. Now, is this a cloud-based system that anybody can use? Sure is. Yep. Anyone can sign up and use it. This is awesome. So Richard, if you had one piece of advice for an entrepreneur on how to play big faster in the government contracting game, what would it be? Yeah. So I would say that the first thing is be super focused, right? What I would start out with is you may be a company like I'll use a cybersecurity company that has a lot of different offerings, right? But when you're selling to the government, it's especially when you're doing it for the first time and you're learning the ropes, it's critical to focus on one solution that the government needs and just focus on that. Sell that. Don't go into the government office and tell them that you can do everything. You want to know before you talk to them, this is what this is the problem they're trying to solve. And you go in there prepared to tell them how you're going to solve that problem, not, hey, I solve every problem on earth. I solve your problem. And that's really the best way to approach this. So I would say be focused and just determination and persistence and do it the right way. Listen to our podcast, if nothing else, and get some good tips and strategies to go forward. What is the best way for someone to reach you if they'd like to work with you or get more information about your services? Yeah, the best way is just to go to dodcontract.com. There, like I said, you can check out the podcast, you can sign up for the academy, you can request a consultation, any of the three. And we also have links on there to our LinkedIn profile and the YouTube page and all Uh, that would be the best way. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us. And everyone, we're going to make sure we have links um, for the book, the CRM, the podcast, and all of Richard's social. So you can definitely get in contact with him. Thanks so much, Richard. Thanks for having me on. And until next time, play big faster. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Play Big Faster podcast. Want more entrepreneurial content? I like this. Make sure to subscribe for future episodes. Already subscribed. I just clicked on it. Don't forget to like and leave a review. Share with a friend that needs this in their life. I think you need this more than I. Oh, and make sure to follow Cherie on IG at Cherie Speaks. And remember to play big faster.